Hello and welcome to Movement, a weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, Melinda Cousins interviews a leader from within our movement and then asks them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Welcome back. Today, our guest uh, is Andrew Turner. It's great to have the opportunity to sit down with Andrew. Andrew is a pastor in our movement. I've uh, been a pastor of a number of different churches over almost 20 years now, I think. He's also a husband, father of three, uh, doing some renovations on the house, I believe, and probably known for his uh, nerdy strategy board games. Is that a fair intro, Andrew? That is. You've covered a fair bit in one sentence. doesn't seem so like so much when you say it all quickly, but... That's probably me. And your role on the team here is as a church development facilitator, a role that you've been in for quite a while. So you get the joy of visiting a number of our churches, working with leadership teams, preaching, all kinds of things. Uh, So I thought, as I've been asking everybody uh, when we sit down for these chats, tell us a little bit about the passions and the experiences that have shaped you and brought you into this role that you're in right now. Yeah, thanks, Melinda, and thanks for uh, having me on. There's a whole mix of sort of passions and experiences that um, I guess drive me and uh, have had influence on um, my ministry and this role. Uh, it is a massive privilege to um, move around the churches, to meet with leaders. Um, I hope to encourage and inspire them a bit. I know that I often come away, I nearly always come away, uh, really encouraged and inspired. I get to meet a lot of people doing a lot of great things and that's a really unique privilege and something I'm really grateful for. Um, over the over the course, now it's been about 10 years uh, in this role, it has made me sort of look back and try to disentangle some mm-hmm. of those passions and experiences a little bit and I think, I know this is definitely not the case for everyone, but I had a really, really positive experience of growing up uh, in the church. Fantastic. And as I think back over the experiences and the things that uh, my home church was going through as I was growing up, I can sort of see some themes and how perhaps that shaped me more than uh, I thought at the time. Or at the time, I didn't know what I was being shaped <laughs> for, or even perhaps that I've recognised more in the past. Um, my home church that I was born into was McGill Baptist Church on McGill Road. Not familiar with that one. No. Well, by the time I was about 10 or 12, they were outgrowing a, a classic stone church building. Right. And uh, they took a big decision to sell up their location there mm. and relocate to Ross Trevor, which is a church which right. you're more familiar with yes. many listeners. And so we uh, relocated there as a church. And as I said, I'm sort of a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old in this stage. I didn't really appreciate the enormity of what was going on or just how much of a stretch that was for the church. Um, We didn't get enough money from selling the building to even buy the land at Ross Trevor, let alone build anything on it. And so there's a lot of financial stretch in there, a lot of fundraisers. Uh, As a little kid, that was just great, hanging around all these quiz nights and weird auctions and and, uh, people running out into the car park to steal hubcaps off each other's chair, (laughs) uh, chair, cars. Um to bring them back inside and auction them again. And, <laughs> nice. and uh, you know, there was there was this adventure that the church was on. Mm. Uh, my dad was an architect, and he was the architect of the new building, and so I was all across that sort of um, building process as mm. well. But the church was really taking a big adventurous step in wanting to be faithful to its calling to Jesus. Uh, it was changing, obviously. It was growing, and it was stretching, and it was mm-hmm. trying new things, and I'm caught up in the middle of that, all eyes, seeing all these... Uh, amazing leaders uh, not just 
uh, ticking a church over, but we really try to stretch in very prayerfully mm-hmm. and seeing some pretty heroic stuff that kind of happened along the way there as well to see it, to see it come to fruition. That was pretty formative for me as a church because I also got to hear about the, the why, the vision, the mm-hmm. reasons, the convictions that were behind why we should need to press forward and change and all those sorts of things. And so now uh, coming into uh, my growing up, uh, life, a ministry at the moment of helping churches that are going through change or considering change, or wanting to reach forward, stretch forward. And um, I'm realising actually that I think deeply in my blood is this mm-hmm. sort of conviction that churches uh, can do that really well. Yeah. I know that it's not easy, it's often uh, very difficult, often takes a very long time. Um, but I've, I've um, seen it happen well and so uh, churches move from small church to big church. Churches mm-hmm. move from quite traditional church in a traditional building to a contemporary church in a yeah. contemporary building. To see people and leaders grow and change along the way, I've got this conviction that churches are dynamic, they're on the move, that they change, people do grow, people do mature, leaders develop, people step up, people are sent out. You know, that's I guess that's the the background story, and in the popular imagination of what churches is or what you see on TV, it's quite yeah. the quite the opposite. Quite different, because you um, went into ministry out of that local church, and then were a part of something. I guess another thing that they did another step a few years later. Is that right? It was, um, I suppose. I uh, went away for a year and and uh, started my Bible training in uh, in Perth, but I had a very strong call from God to come back to Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And turned up and volunteered at back at Ross Trevor Baptist, and ended up being their youth pastor. And but a few of us got a sense of uh, calling to go into church planting, and we discussed that together as a church. And the long and the short of it is, there's some great stories around that. But a group of us went across at the invitation of Glen Osmond Baptist to revitalise that church and to invest uh, in there. And so that was another adventure and sort of a big step into pastoral leadership uh, for me, as opposed to being a youth pastor on a multi-staff church, which was a very positive experience, uh, into being a a sole pastor and then a lead pastor myself. That was a a rapid time of um, growth and development for me. Yeah, I think lots of learning probably happened out of that. So there's these experiences that shape you that you've been in these churches and you've, you've had the experience of leading churches in change. Alongside that, what is it that makes you particularly passionate about this? Well, um, I'm passionate for the gospel, you know, right. and I, just the transformation. I mean, in my teens, through a number of different events and, and, and over a course of time, God just lit me up for, um, as, as opened my eyes to... Uh, the enormity of what the gospel is, uh, the power uh, for transformation, not just in individual life, but in families, communities, churches, cities, nations. And um, I uh, just very quickly got to the point in my heart that's all I wanted to be involved in church and helping people to kind of uh, understand for themselves uh, the enormity and the goodness of the, the message of the gospel. And I realised also that it's not that this ministry of... Um, of God who seeks us out, it happens not just through speakers who tell the message of the gospel, but it happens through the whole body of Christ. Right. So in my once again, in my own coming to faith in Christ and in my own discipleship development, I'm grateful to, for some great speakers. But that's only one small part of the whole mm-hmm. uh, picture for me and the, a number of other people who just got around me, prayed for me, 
pull me aside from time to time with just a word of encouragement or correction. Um, uh, people who, you know, um, cook the food, um, made the fun events. It's the whole sense of uh, the whole family of God um, uh, welcoming and adopting you uh, in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, uh, the whole body of Christ is built up as each part does its work. So I've got a, there's an underlying passion there as well for the importance of the whole church being on mission together and just how um, magical and powerful it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, magical in the best sense <laughs> of that word. Uh, when it comes together, even when it approximately comes together, we'll always be a poor reflection of the fullness of, uh, of Christ. We mm-hmm. want to press on and grow into that as well. Um, but even people who are only getting a, a glimpse of the greatness of Christ as well, that can be amazingly transformative. No, that's so great to hear that that underlying deep passion for the gospel. And then I, what I, I love hearing in people's stories is how then who you are kind of uniquely speaks into that. So I mentioned before the sort of nerdy strategy board games, but, but that kind of thinker that you are, um, how does that kind of shape what you end up doing now? Yeah, perhaps I'm a big picture person. Mm-hmm. The whole uh, board game thing is, you know, the whole, the whole dance of a classic, German board game with lots of little wooden pieces on their board is there's an overarching mission mm-hmm. uh, lots of little things have, need to come together and be held in balance um, and lots of little adversities and restrictions to overcome to, and, and, and you're trying to uh, strategize your way forward and it involves never letting, uh, never losing sight of what the main aim like how you win <laughs> yeah. and all of those sorts of things so um I am uh, more of a big picture person, a systemic th- thinker. I like to see how the, the importance that the whole picture has on the individual and the contribution of the individual to the whole. And so um, as a pastor, that was a, a leaning of mine. Mm-hmm. I know when I was first um, approached to do this role here at the Baptist Centre and I was going to do it half-time and mm-hmm. still pastor half-time at Glen Osmond and... I went to talk to the congregation there about how would they feel about releasing me half time to come and do some work in church consulting. And uh, one of the re- responses that came from the floor was, uh, yeah, that sounds good, Andrew. Go and go and draw on some other churches' whiteboards. <laughs> uh, and uh, I could see that, uh, yeah, there's a bit in me that wants to continue to, um, to rethink how the whole thing comes together. Mm-hmm. I am a drawer on whiteboards. And I could see as a pastor that... In, um, in one church setting at, uh, at Glen Osmond, there's something in me that wants to continually reinvent, reevaluate everything and, um, and weigh it all up. And so um, one way or another, hopefully it was good for the church as well to balance that out, have some other staff in there that are nerdy German board game uh, player pastors and hasn't strengthened some other areas. Nice. And we'll, I think we'll come back to this this kind of big picture thinking because it obviously shapes what you do in your role. It shapes some of your writing. I forgot to mention that you've written a couple of books. Um, but before we get to that, one of the questions I'd love to ask is, as we listen and imagine together in this podcast, who do you picture and who do you hope is listening to our conversation and you know, why do you think they might be interested? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I hope all Baptists are uh, listening and you never know. Some of those sneaky Church of Christ people might be uh, just be. eavesdropping. You, you know, they're never far away. Are they? God bless them. Um, I my a lot of my work is with leaders, mm-hmm. 
um, with what I call missional adventurers, people who want to plant a church, people who want to begin a new outreach, evangelists. Um, I love to try to encourage them and build them up and um, and work with them. But I do have this conviction about the whole body of Christ. And so whilst I've got this great um, sympathy and excitement about uh, your energetic leaders who want to press into something new. It's always wonderful when someone rings it, you know, rings you up and says, "Andrew, can you come and talk to us? We're planning a new adventure. Mm-hmm. We're, I think we're dreaming up something new, and that's always exciting." But just as much, I've come to appreciate how important in the whole body of Christ are also the people who uh, support such adventure. Um, and who perhaps would see themselves more as plotters than mm-hmm. plotters, uh, than great plotters risk takers. Plotters, yeah. <laughs> um, and these are the treasurers, the administrators, the people who think about insurance, uh, the people who think about okay, well, it's great to have you know big picture dreams, but how's the how's it going to you know work in the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. the details, people, and I'm. And increasingly I see just how important it is that the whole thing comes together. And so I've actually got this massive soft spot in my heart for church administrators, um, uh, treasurers, children's ministry leaders. There's just so much that goes on and necessarily goes on in the body of Christ that's not up on the, on the platform. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get blogged about um, very much. It, some of it does, and that's actually pretty helpful. Um, sadly, often some of that sort of work isn't considered ministry or isn't considered spiritual, which is um, deeply problematic uh, because it takes the whole lot to come together. So I've got this little saying. I'm not sure if I picked it up from someone else or if it's just found its way into my head. Um, safe adventurers go further. And a lot of people sort of think about it. You, oh, there's a spectrum. You're either a really safe person who's into insurance, or right. uh, and or you're a, you're an actuary in an insurance company, or well, you're uh, an adventurer. You, who's out there. On the other end of the spectrum, you're <laughs> this amazing, you know, adventurer, always pressing into what's new. But you think about people who climb Mount Everest mm-hmm. and how they actually got both of these things going on. They're very particular about safety and about planning it all out well and. Yeah. Uh, being very thorough about it and not just having a dream of mountaintops. Yeah, and the whole team behind it. The whole team comes together, even if it's only you know a, a small number of people mm-hmm. who actually stand on the peak. There's that whole support team to make it actually happen. Mm-hmm. And um, so that spectrum of you're either safe or you're an adventure, I think that we can we can let some of those things go because in the in the body of Christ, uh, wonderfully God's made us differently. In his incredible grace, given each of us a part to play, and we can um, be happy about that. We can we can uh, be honoured uh, mm-hmm. by that, and we can honour one another with the roles that we have to play, and to see how we complement each other. Even if sometimes, also in the process of trying to plan the climb, mm-hmm. we drive each other crazy a little bit uh, as well. Each part is is needed and really vital for the whole thing to come together. Mm-hmm. So I love it when someone says. Andrew, can I come and sit down and have a coffee with you? I'm thinking about planning a church. Mm-hmm. But I know it's not really going to come to anything at all, to anything yeah. lasting, without the whole body of Christ in and around that, um, working together in unity, you know, for God's glory. Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. is... So it's exciting to get the phone call, but it's just exhilarating to see 
uh, come together as each part plays its part. Nice. No, that's great. So in your role, you obviously have the opportunity, like we said, you meet with people who are dreaming big dreams and want to start adventures, and you also work with churches who are just, how do we figure this out? How do we systems and you know, structures and all kind of things behind the scenes? As a church consultant, it's a pretty broad role. Um, so I wanted to ask you what... What you're learning, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, as you have this unique opportunity to be amongst our churches, what what is it that you think? Oh, that's, this would be great to share with everybody what you're hearing and learning of what's happening. Yeah, it is. It's a very good question. I think one of the things that um, is dawning on me more and more is, and this touches on a little bit about the whole adventure and safeness sort mm-hmm. of thing, is just how slow uh, fast progress can be. Right. And so um, I've got this sort of, I better try and explain that because that sounded like a complete sort of uh, <laughs> Paradox, uh, sorry, oxymoron. It does. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the best way um, into that. But um, so perhaps one way of thinking about it is in South Australian Baptist churches, I think our batting average in, for church planting right. is about this. An average South Australian Baptist church, I think, plants another church about once in 100 years. Oof. Okay. So most of us aren't going to see one. That's right. You can go through your whole... And it's sort of become normalised to not do church planting. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about this in my book, Fruitful Church, a <laughs> uh, little plug there, uh, about how the normal thing in families is for children to grow up and they leave home and they start their own households. Mm-hmm. But it's the it's the exception in churches rather than the rule. Right. Uh, we have this sort of idea that you go to a church and belong to it for your whole life. And Don't get me wrong, I'm all for faithfulness and uh, there's some stunning people that have just walked that long journey of serving a single church. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, nevertheless, yes, you can. You could go your whole uh, career in a uh, uh, lifetime of belonging to a Baptist church and not be part of a, a church plant, perhaps only hear the stories yeah. of it happened decades ago or something like that. On the other hand, around the world, there's a thing called the rapid church planting movement um, and or the movements around okay. the place, which is sort of go into a neighbourhood, knock on doors, talk to everybody who's interested to hear the gospel, quickly gather a little group, um, give them a few Bible studies for a few weeks, build them up in, right. in Christ, and then sort of three months later, commission yeah. them all to be pastors and then send them off to door knock in other uh, areas and... Yeah. Um, and you do the maths around that. Oh, the multiplication is amazing, but there's difficulties around that because you know in the world it's uh, it's mature organisms that multiply. Right. And um, you know, the scripture has some things to say about not appointing people who are just become <laughs> believers uh, into um, leadership and pastoral uh, oversight kind of roles as well. And so, uh, whilst I don't think we should our batting average should be one in a hundred years, I don't think it should be one in one year uh, right. necessarily either okay. although sometimes when a church lights up about church planting it's like oh great let's do this on an industrial scale and we're going to just plant and plant and plant and plant mm-hmm. but imagine if as a movement our batting average is once in 15 years right for an individual church that's doable mm-hmm. uh, I think I mean to, you could send out a bunch of good people in your church and your church of course then needs to go into a time of recovery and being built back up and mm-hmm. remembering its own mission not just being excited about the what's another neighbourhood and what's yeah. all, the, all the new things that are happening there and to attend to your own local mission and um, build up um, 
uh, leaders and all the other kinds of ministries again and mm -hmm. you know, recover in time, ready to be planning and building up to plant again. Yeah. 15 years does, it probably seems one, a church, church plant every 15 years might for some seem laboriously slow. Right. I mean, if a pastor stood up and said, I've got a vision for our <laughs> church, let's plant a church in 15 years' time, everyone would say, well, <laughs> you know, that's just way too far over the horizon yeah. for us to get excited about. But imagine if it was just that. In our movement of our size, that would mean that we would be planting, you know, five churches every, every year, year as a yeah. movement. Mm -hmm. It would be plenty to keep us busy. Because mm -hmm. the truth is also that if we just plant uh, like crazy without attending to the overall long, inglorious work of baking up strong disciples, nice. then we'll just be split spreading ourselves thinner and thinner and thinner. We've got to, like, the whole cake needs to be growing mm -hmm. and building up. I don't even know why I'm talking in cooking terms. Yeah. I'm, one of the things, listeners, Not. you should know about me is I'm absolutely hopeless in the kitchen and don't go <laughs> near anything which I've cooked. Uh, but uh, let's stick with that analogy. I mean, the whole yeah. cake has to has to bake and that mm -hmm. work of, of um, growing strong disciples helping people to find their particular calling and ministry and the part of the body that they uh, that they are and uh, to developing and growing week by week by week often that mm -hmm. doesn't show a lot of change it's in this sort of farming let's switch from kitchen to farming <laughs> you know uh, it can seem slow but the results yeah. can be massive um, if we just stay faithful and attend to what we yeah. can attend to sort of this week so that's one of the things that I see going around you can yeah. you can Look around our movement and you can think, oh, there's nothing, you know, no, no. you can, if you're only hunting for exhilarating, amazing stories, you might think, oh, there's not that much going on. We're just plodding along doing our yeah. things. There are some really fantastic uh, leaders with big dreams. Uh, there's a whole cohort of amazing people who are behind the scenes, faithfully mm -hmm. serving, and they are building others up. They're sitting down with a bunch of children, mm -hmm. a bunch of teenagers and um, encouraging them in the gospel, opening the word with them. There are people that are staying at home and praying for others by name and writing emails and notes and text messages and even in COVID times uh, when they, it's harder to connect face-to-face -face, just sitting at home thinking, well, what can I do to bless someone, build mm -hmm. someone up, encourage someone? And that's the engine room of the whole church. There might be a headline at some point down the track, oh, New Baptist Church in this town or that place. Uh, that's great. But that's all of that is built on the body of Christ uh, being a step with the Spirit and building one another up in love. That's great. And I like that. I was going to say balance between, but it's not even a balance. It's actually maintaining the importance of both. I think I'm quoting you from your book, but I think you may be quoting Jesus here, the, the faithfulness and the fruitfulness. You know, they, they both they both matter and they're both important. It's not even trading one off and against the other. It's keeping both at yeah. the highest level. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yes, yes, um, fruitfulness is the thing that, you know, and again in my book or uh, the sermon, which will be in the end of this, in the next episode the next of this episode, uh, podcast, yeah. is my um, uh, uh, fruitful church mm -hmm. sermon um, as well. When you think about Jesus going to the, the fig tree on the way into Jerusalem in Mark chapter 11, mm -hmm. and he sees the fig tree in the distance, it's big, uh, it's in full leaf, so it must be reasonably healthy, but it hasn't, doesn't have any fruit. And that's one of the things that really got me thinking. Anyway, this, I'll unpack this in the, uh, in the sermon, Same. but we've got to think beyond just having big, healthy churches yeah. and ask what it means for us to be fruitful. 
mentioned before uh, about who might be listening, so leadership is kind of important. So what are you seeing and learning and hearing in terms of leadership across our movement in this space? Yeah, I'm really encouraged by the um, uh, cohort of leaders that we have. Uh, there's a lot to be really excited about. It's very interesting to see how it stretches across generations yeah. uh, as well and uh, between the genders. Um, and so there's a diversity of leadership which is is happening. And again, I think it's really necessary. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's wonderful the peace that there is uh, amongst leaders like we don't actually we're blessed not to have factions over here mm. and factions over there fighting each other you yeah. see you see um, baptist pastors and leaders in our movement interacting with each mm. other it's just about exclusively them just wanting to encourage each other mm. and build each other up uh, which is wonderful and um and some uh, some really strong and um energetic uh, leaders mm-hmm. that are finding their uh, their place and our movement is going to be tapping their shoulders mm-hmm. you know rapidly I think as well because we do have a cohort of um, pastors especially um, who are heading towards retirement we've got an amazing faithful cohort of leaders and doers mm-hmm. uh, as well who are seniors and retirees yeah. and they're not yesterday's people they're today's church mm-hmm. as much as anyone uh, is as well uh, but it, but it's also there's a baton there to be be oh, passed, yeah. and it's really encouraging actually to see where that's done with intentionality and done really well, and people aren't just holding on to ministries. Yeah. So there's lots of different dynamics. There's so much that can be said about uh, leadership, but it it too um, happens as a ministry part of the body of the body of Christ and has to connect with all the with all the rest. Mm-hmm. There's a phrase that. Um I've heard you talk about the next 10 leaders. So we talk about our pastors a lot. Mm. What do you mean by the next the next 10? Yeah, so, well, a good pastor can make a good church, but I reckon it's the other way around too in my experience. Right. A good church can... You know, I've just had some fantastic uh, personal experiences as well and what I observe around just how important in a church is the cohort of the right. community, the leadership community mm-hmm. as well, uh, any pastor or upfront or platform person will tell you just how important it is when you've got a great uh, supportive community uh, around you. There is also not one sort of just distinct uh, stereotypical pastor of right. a church. Every pastor yeah. that ta- I talk to says, Andrew, I'm not your typical pastor. And I think, well, I'm <laughs> glad. It and I'm still searching for that uh, typical pastor because they will say, Oh, my particular passion is for just, you know, uh, spending time with the people who are really hurting and I just want to walk that journey with them. And and that takes a lot of time and it means I can't attend so much to my preaching and to Mm -hmm. church admin and stuff. And there'll be other pastors who say, oh, you know, the worst thing I could possibly do for my church is to sit for a long time with somebody who's, who's, you know, suffering. I'll drive them, you know, crazy as well. Uh, For me, opening the word or leading the church, you know, structurally, administratively, is my strength. And so we need, again, it's just the body ministry. We need the whole cohort around. It's so much stronger when it's more diverse and united uh, together. Iron sharpens iron. We can cover for each other. Somebody goes down, gets sick, travels overseas or whatever, and the whole thing is not dangling by a single thread. Mm-hmm. Is um, absolutely critical uh, in churches and so um, 
if you're one of those sort of next 10 leaders listening in on this movement, please be encouraged. Just incredibly valuable as well. And we also need to think of the next 10 beyond the next 10 right. uh, as well. <laughs> and so um, if you're a, um, a treasurer in a church, let's not just wait until the treasurer is finishing up before we ask the question, who's going to be the next treasurer? But mm. who can else can be drawn into, uh, trained up, mentored, uh, prepared and... Uh, exposed to some of just the responsibility, those those unscheduled meetings when a little crisis arrives, and like the the weight of what it means to carry uh, a local church, yeah. be responsible uh, for it, to wrestle with some of the difficulties of all of those sorts of things. And it's the 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 more people who've got the caliber and the strength of discipleship and of Christian maturity to be able to be helpful in that space mm-hmm. as well is really essential. And it's the it's not just our office or not just the lead pastor's role to kind of build that um, again we we all need to build it together that's great so can i ask you if you've got a story or two you can share with us because you like you said you've got this unique opportunity to see what's happening out there and some people in our churches might go i might not know what's happening across our movement yeah there's all sorts of things happening and of course the difficulty with naming names is there's going to be other great things happening yeah. in other places as well and you think Andrew why didn't you mention that so I'm only going to go with what comes to mind um, and um, I mean certainly I'm really excited about the new church plant that we have at Andrew's farm mm-hmm. they might think it's not such a new uh, they've been going a couple of years right. uh, now and actually in a story like that there's often we think of church planting as something which happens sort of instantaneously we, mm-hmm. we we see it when it first launches as well but there was years of lead up and preparation yeah. into that and that was an amazing story as well how uh, God prompted and guided a group of churches in out in the northern suburbs to uh, even though they sort of knew it was impossible for any one of those churches uh, plant a new church just on the conviction that the need was great out right. there in the in the northern suburbs to meet together, pray together, to follow the threads and to um, ask God to provide. Uh, it's a wonderful story as well. And so uh, Lindsay and the team up at Andrew's Farm is just very encouraging to see how they mm-hmm. the steps that they're taking, the instincts and the norms they've set up from the start as a, as a church. Uh, it's a really great story. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, uh, if you're in a position to just go and visit another church yeah. as well, go along and and have a chat with them and encourage them as well. They're not too far away at, uh, at Andrew's Farm. On the other hand, too far away uh, probably is uh, a cleave out in the uh, Air Peninsula. Right. Um, a good solid five or six or more hours uh, from drive Adelaide, yeah. from Adelaide. Um, there's a great group of people there that are just putting together a church wonderful people at Port Lincoln Baptist who are an hour and a half or just down so, the road, oh, just down the road <laughs> and have said you know what we'll take you under governance wise we'll mm-hmm. take you under our wing and we'll support as, while, it, while it gets organised yeah. um, and they're already meeting and having worship services oh, and yeah. doing ministry um, and I get to go over there sometimes in person sometimes by Zoom mm-hmm. by phone calls emails and to support what they do to get to know them a bit more mm-hmm. and to see the heart that they have for their town and uh, for the region is an exciting uh, thing and so there's a couple of things in the area of church planting um, as well so uh, but across the board um, you get just uh, little encouragements of churches that are doubling down on their neighborhood and wanting Mm -hmm. to reconnect and to hear the stories of the fruit that comes out of that 
very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because this have to have stuff happening, you know, across this. Well, we're in Adelaide, so probably Adelaide centric, unfortunately, as South Australians, but across the city as well, in the north and the south, and in the hills, different churches doing different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so uh, Hills Baptist sort of is just growing amazingly yeah. exponentially, and by planting a new congregation, and even through COVID times. Um, just a, uh, a passion for the gospel, uh, what they've, everything they've done, they just do really well. Some mm-hmm. wonderful high-capacity people involved in that. Just down the road, Mount Barker Baptist, yeah. um, looking to um, relocate into a brand new school, and uh, in that area, and um, and are planning in the middle of planning and preparing for that, and that's a pretty you know, big project mm-hmm. over many years and to have a chance to encourage the people that are um, driving along at, at, at that dream. So, uh, yeah, in all the different regions, there's some stories to tell um, and some really encouraging, you know, it's not just signs of life. I mean, mm-hmm. it is it, it's, it's people very intentionally um, asking the question, this powerful, transformative kingdom of Jesus is not mm-hmm. something that just you keep alive. <laughs> the gospel is far more powerful than that. The kingdom is rolling forward much more powerfully uh, uh, than that, and it is absolutely uncontainable. We hope to get on top of this coronavirus, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, the kingdom of God is something that, that all the greatest forces of the world can't actually mm-hmm. uh, can t- contain. And so we've all, you know, just out of faithfulness to who Jesus is and his kingdom calling for all of us, we can't just hold on, uh, you know, surviving as, as some kind of uh, goal. It's better than dying. It's, uh, it, it's better than uh, withering up, that's for sure, as well. But I think God's got bigger plans even for, um, um, for us. And sometimes you do need to crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run, and that's okay. So yeah. churches that are asking the question, how do we just keep it happening? Yeah. That's, that's kind of okay to be in that space as well, but you don't want to be stuck in that that mm-hmm. space perpetually and so um, there might be a lot of our churches i think where you know they might not be planting a new church but they're looking at different ways of connecting with their community or their neighborhood and the same kinds of ideas about safe adventuring would yeah. apply really well to that wouldn't it that's it they're cooking yeah. the cake and it is it's trees. when you people get out of their community volunteer mm. in the local primary school uh you know letterbox invitations so we do that down at west beach a few times a year we just letterbox the neighborhood and say we're here as a church we care for you you're welcome uh, to mm-hmm. come and you do that you sort of think in the first remember the first few times doing that thinking is anyone going to take any notice of this it's going to have any effect whatsoever and you kind of yeah. wait the next sunday who are all the people <laughs> are suddenly going to come to church and nothing but then over time as new people arrive at the church and you just chat to them and oh, how did you come to come and be a part of this church and one of the things they would say it's often not just the sole thing, but they'd say, oh, we've been getting these things in the letterbox and we always knew that this church wanted us and mm-hmm. it's been in the back of our minds, you know. And so even a church that does that, takes that step and gets to the point where people in the neighbourhood think, I don't go to church, but if I did go to church, <laughs> I'd go to that church. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's a step in itself. Um, and uh, there's so many ministries that... Um, we don't see the fruit of them mm. until much later and ultimately, of course, not until everything is wrapped up and all the stories are told. Mm, fantastic. So you mentioned a couple of times 
this phrase COVID times. I like it. It's a, keep hearing people say this season uh, yeah. they're trying to find a name for you know we're in the middle of a, a bit of a transitional time uh, so I'd love to ask you what are the unique challenges and opportunities you think this particular season we're in right now is bringing for us yeah plenty um, right now right today I'm especially just feeling for our pastors and leaders who are just this we're this far into the crisis as well yeah. and at first uh, leaders did an amazing job of just pivoting on a dime and <laughs> Um, quickly changing things up and putting things into place to yeah. allow for sort of some continuity of ministry and at least for some 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 um, enough sort of certainty for the mm. congregation to so this is what we'll be doing and this is going to be okay. Uh, great, some great work there as well. But um, of course, the novelty of it is uh, worn off. Uh, the adrenaline mm -hmm. is gone uh, pretty much now, and so I really feel for the weary pastors and. It uh, wasn't me, but Melinda, you and Elliot and the team that um, had just done a great uh, conference, a great gathering, pastors gathering uh, last week, really just aimed at encouraging and refreshing um, and refueling pastors. I think that was significant. <clears throat> but I think um, the thing about exile and how we come to value some things more and think about them better when they're taken away from us for a while right. I know the churches that are um, between pastors mm -hmm. feel this. They have a time of disruptiveness. There's something missing in there. I like to say that often when a church is between pastors, you kind of work out why you, why you don't need a pastor. <laughs> and then you work out why you do. <laughs> right. And it's a really important part of the discovery because mm -hmm. there are sloppy ways in which churches become over-dependent on mm -hmm. a pastor just to kick all the goals and instead perhaps of being the coach who helps us to play well as a team, you know. And so it can be helpful, even though it's going to be a difficult uh, time. I think that happens also with churches that are between buildings sometimes. We're down at West Beach, we did a big renovation, and so mm -hmm. for, I can't remember how long, at least a year I think it was, we were kind of meeting in the local primary school, right. doing the whole pack up, pack down kind of thing as well. When you and, But you come to realise why you don't need buildings, and mm -hmm. then you come to realise why one could be quite handy thanks mm -hmm. very much and um, it is a really important part of the, the process and so excuse me one of the things that's um it's happened in this season i think of course is the face-to-face -face gathering yeah and it is a sort of thing which can you know church gathering on sunday mornings uh, we've just been doing it forever yeah and Suddenly. it's with something you do without even thinking about it so much we just roll along and, and do them yeah. and it gets taken away from us for a while and it's been really, really fascinating and interesting for us mm -hmm. to think. Well, firstly, we've tried to then, how can we approximate it online? <laughs> Some of that's great. Uh, a lot of that's necessary as well, but it's got us thinking, what is the importance? Why do we do this? And even now, as we're allowed to come back and, at the moment mm -hmm. and, and regather on Sundays, but it's kind of costly. Mm -hmm. We have to do it really, really carefully with all the yeah. registration at the door and lots of hand sanitising <laughs> and... and, and um, uh, and so we, at the moment, there's a cost mm -hmm. to doing it. And in fact, for some people who are in vulnerable groups or who work in healthcare and that sort of thing, or yeah. if you are over a certain age, do you know what I mean? It's a danger. I'd like to get up in the morning now yeah. and say, I'm just going to go to church. There's a courage, mm -hmm. you know, around that. And so, but it's making us realise and appreciate, but no, do you know what I mean? It's worth this extra effort. It's worth this risk because of the importance of what happens mm -hmm. and how God works in and through us when we uh, when we gather and how it forms and shapes us for the week and for life. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's been really, really interesting to see how that feels. And sometimes that's been worked out and talked out explicitly, and sometimes it just kind of happens in the back of our heads. But I think it'd be helpful for us to to try to get into perspective uh, um, a better picture of what gathered worship is mm. for and why it is not actually the one essential, mm-hmm. uh, but how important, it, how incredibly important it is for us. Mm. We can, Baptists can go without that uh, for a while, mm. uh, but we Baptists have a clear instinct to say, but there's no way we're going to just throw that out and put that aside as something that's of yesteryear. Uh, here and now as a body of Christ, we need as best that we can to be uh, near each other and able to look at each other in the eye and build, build yeah. one another up and yeah. encourage no, one another. that's great. I love that idea that um, it's almost like, like so the gift of exile or the gift of having something taken away is both that you realise this isn't the whole thing. You know, God's yeah. still at work, the mission is still the same, and yet, oh, there's a reason why we've, we've that's really important to us. Yeah, it's yeah. only when there's a distance involved that you can actually put it in perspective. And it's like how it takes people from other cultures to come and tell yeah. us what we're <laughs> like as, a, as Western Christians. Yeah. Uh, it's only, it, only with the benefit of distance comes perspective, I suppose, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, so I hope that's a, a lot of people doing a lot of whiteboarding at the moment. Good, good season to be naming some of this stuff. Every church needs a good whiteboard in each room. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Andrew, I'm sure we could keep talking all day, but I wanted to kind of finish by asking you uh, a question around what, what you were talking about, what you see and what you think and what you're learning. We've got this, this mission and this vision for our movement. What, what do you think holds us back from being, you know, from thriving, I guess, from flourishing, from fruitfulness? Yeah, I think it um, can be a thousand little things as well but I do look for trends as a big picture sort of person as well and uh, perhaps one of the things that concerns me the most is probably something that I think we is well within our grasp sort of to to shake off but it worries me sometimes to see perhaps a little bit of a sense of resignation in uh, a big world where there's lots of things happening there's powerful forces at play Hmm. And there can be a tendency in us to sort of say, my little contribution doesn't make any difference no. at all. You know, uh, I can, you know, as I can pray, f- you know, for an hour every morning. I can read and study my Bible. I can write cards to people and encourage them and all those sorts of things. But Donald Trump's still going to be president and he's going to sign this and sign that. And the media is going to play this and not play that. Um, and the world's militaries are going to, you know, do all these sorts of things. And... Yeah. It's all so big that sometimes we can get a sense of fatalism. Uh, what's going to be is going to be, and we don't. Because it really does take faith to be able to see the the tiny the mustard seeds that we've God's placed in our hands uh, can make an actual difference. But this is the wonder of uh, what it means to be a Christian, and certainly as Baptists, the understanding that we have of. Um, to, to be a Christian and to be called into ministry is the same thing in our understanding. The priesthood of all believers uh, is uh, God's given all of us responsibilities in his kingdom, not just to be spectators. Uh, so it's not like getting a membership at the footy, uh, which means you're allowed to go along and watch and complain, uh, whinge at the umpires and uh, be slightly entertained and go away. Um, but God gives us a Guernsey and... Mm-hmm. So whether we train or don't train, whether we listen 
to the instructions or don't listen, gentlemen, does make a difference mm -hmm. not only for our own well-being, for our own destiny, but for all the people around us as well. So um, God's economy is a bit different to to the way most people understand. In our economy, if somebody hogs all the resources, it means mm -hmm. all the people around them get less. Uh, in in God's economy, if you get really hungry for God's word, for his spirit, if you come to him in prayer rather greedily, mm -hmm. uh, saying, Lord, build me up, fill me with your spirit, and trust ministries, you know, uh, to me, I want to receive from you everything that you have to give me. You know, when that's a prayed in good faith, uh, as well the people who are around such people who are thirsty to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be filled uh, over brimming with the love of God mm. the people around them don't get poorer the people around them get richer yeah. and so every opportunity we have every moment we have that we could check our phones or take five minutes to pray not to say we should never check our <laughs> phones uh, but those decisions we make am I going to go along to Bible study group tonight or not you know Am I just going to sit through this sermon or am I going to try and really carefully uh, take it in? Has um, has real impact and it's nerve-wracking. It's kind of easier to say nothing I do really makes a different difference anyway mm -hmm. because then we just absolve ourselves because for making any mistakes. Mm. As soon as we accept that God has trusted us with his Holy Spirit and entrusted mm. ministry to us, and so whether I do volunteer to lead that kid's class in the in the children's ministry or just take a pass and say, no, I'm too busy now, has an impact on those kids mm. or has an impact on the future of the, the world. It's kind of really daunting to, to think, oh, I could totally mess things up. In the providence of God, we, we trust that he's going to lead us forward. And for those people who are taking a pass, God will raise up other people around them. So I don't think we need to... I'm not saying that at all. To the opposite heresy <laughs> is that it all depends it's on us. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we're nowhere near going that far. So it's daunting, but mm -hmm. it's also wonderful. And it is actually, uh, it's sobering. But the amazing thing is that God has called you and me and every mm -hmm. single person who's listening to this podcast, not just to belong to Him, which would be wonderful enough uh, in and of itself, but to be involved in what He is doing, the renewal of all things, and to have a noble part to play that may involve cost and suffering uh, part of it but that's part of sharing in the in the, in the wonder of uh who god is and what he's doing oh it's just just phenomenally incredible it lights me up it's gonna make me rave on for way too long <laughs> but um why pass that up with a sense of resignation you know, mm. we, we just need to discern with the help of others uh, around us what our part is to play and how many talents have been poured into our lap and to get a grip and understand that's not just for our personal blessing, but whatever's been given to us is actually entrusted to us for uh, uh, serving and blessing uh, the world. Mm, that's great. I can see it lights you up. And I think that for me, that sense of it's exciting and inspiring, this idea of an adventure. And then also, like saying, it takes courage. It's, um, and I, I was thinking as you were talking there that what you're doing, I feel encouraged in the true sense of that word. You know, encouragement isn't, oh, there, there, you can do this. It's actually giving you courage, giving you the resources you need to say, you can do this. You, yeah. yeah. How valuable are those people in churches who just rev, don't just pat us on the head and say, that was wonderful, everything you do is wonderful, but, but uh, charge you up and say, you know, well done. And in fact, 
keep going. I reckon you can press into this even further. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this has been a great conversation, Andrew. And like you said, we could keep talking, but fortunately, we've got a couple of places we can point people to to get more of your thinking. So next week, you'll be back with, the, like you said, a sermon on this, but that comes out of your book, Fruitful Church. So let me give a plug. Uh, where can people get your book, Fruitful Church? Uh, you can get it at Kurong, etc., etc. but um, perhaps the easiest way might be um, just at fruitfulchurch.net is uh, the website. You can order it directly from there, either the sort of electronic version or the paper version. And just at the printers yes. right now is next my next little book, which is actually something quite different. Mm-hmm. Fruitful Church is, is written for church leaders and people are thinking about what's our vision for the church, what really is success as a church. Where are we going with all of this? Um, and uh, my new book, Taking the Plunge, is about baptism. And it's for people who are just coming to faith in Christ, who are responding positively to the gospel, perhaps some people doing Alpha course in the church. And um, like many, many others are going, this is amazingly good news. Yeah. But what next? Um, and so I... Um, I wrote that as a little resource for people who are thinking about baptism and obviously for church leaders, uh, Christian leaders to have on hand, ready to be able to put into the hands of people that are just starting out at the start. Right. Now, it'll be a great one for people to get to be able to pass on. And I think maybe we'll have to get you back and have another conversation around that uh, in the future. Thanks so much for your time. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks for listening to Movement Today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Movement is a podcast from Baptist Church's SA, hosted by Melinda Cousins and produced by Ruth Grace and Kathy Turner. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest. Music